Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the On The Record Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Watley. In this episode, I'm thankful to be joined by my fellow co-worker, NBC7 reporter, MMJ, now professor at Point Loma Nazarene, Dana Williams. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back on the record, um, and I'm really excited to talk with you. Yes, we've had a lot of updates um, since we last talked, so so I'm excited, and thank you, Devin, for having me on. Yeah, like two. the last time I had you on was actually two years ago turning up next month yeah shockingly you were on the assignment desk uh when we first had our first episode first catch up you've had a lot of change since then obviously you've become digital reporter and now you're a full-time reporter that whole span right that whole last two years for you going from being at the desk and being working in the newsroom a lot to now moving into this position where you're out in the field every day and making packages and doing your own sort of branded thing uh how's that whole experience been for you no, it's a great question. And, and I'm so glad that we, you know, it's actually perfect timing. I'm so glad that we talked two years ago. And, and now, um, you know, now when I am a full-time reporter, because I have to tell you, Devin, the transition has been amazing. I feel incredibly fortunate to be doing this position at our station. Um, and I feel really confident going into this kind of a role, into this kind of transition, because of everything I learned at the assignment desk and on the digital team and in different positions. Um, I cannot tell you how much I explain this to to journalism students, to people who want to become a reporter. Uh, The time that I was able to take in a different role in the newsroom, I mean, it was pivotal. I was able to gain connections. I was able to understand what we consider is newsworthy, to understand, you know, pitching stories. Um, And that was so helpful to now. I'll be a reporter because now I get to do my favorite parts of being an assignment editor every day. And that's, you know, talking with people, presenting information, being a storyteller. Um, It is incredibly fun for me. Being in that reporter job, you're out going to a lot of different places. You were, you know, you were covering a case where a Pendleton Marine, you know, got in trouble for, I think it was um, having a, a teenager in we were also doing another story about like Maui donations for the wildfires and covering tropical storms. I mean, it's this this whole path is kind of taking you all over. Have there been any sort of stories that you've enjoyed doing more than others or any any that you've done in your career so far that have stand out to you? No, it's a great question. And, you know, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's really one of the really, really interesting things about being a reporter is that every day you're given a completely new assignment and you need to become kind of a fast expert in whatever that is and find somebody to help talk with, talk you through it. And especially these, you know, medical stories, research stories, stories about housing. Um, And that is fun. I mean, I, one of my favorite things about my day to day is that every single day I get to meet somebody new, go to a place that maybe I wouldn't have gone Um, if it weren't for work. And so it's really a great way to get to know your community and kind of expand those horizons. Um, But recently, I have to say, Devin, I did a story with the San Diego Police Department about their retired senior volunteer patrol team. And these folks were just, I mean, incredible. They absolutely made made my whole week. Um, It was a group of retired senior volunteers who worked for the police department. Um, One was a aerospace engineer. One was a real estate broker. 
Um, one served in the Navy, and now they are volunteer patrol members for the San Diego Police Department. Um, and so it was really fun to be able to meet with them and talk with them and learn about their life experience, why they choose to give back to the community and volunteer, because otherwise I never would have had the chance to meet them. And they were incredible, inspiring people. Uh, and so those are really some of my favorite stories. When I get to meet someone new who I get to introduce, maybe San Diego is a bigger community to people who they wouldn't know of on their day-to-day -day lives. So um, any story where I get the chance to do that is, is really special to me. I can actually think of one more if you don't mind. Go for it. Uh, good. Okay. I did a story on a, a pet store in... Um, in San Diego, and it was about to close because of um, tax issues, because of an accountant error. Uh, and so we did a story, we found the GoFundMe, and, and we brought it to light that this pet store was going to close if they didn't come up with a significant amount of money by the end of the week. Um, the owner of the pet store, you know, you could tell she just loved every second of what she did. And it was actually kind of heartbreaking to talk with her and, and have her be worried about losing this pipe dream, her heart and soul of a business. Uh, and our story aired. And by the time the next morning hit, enough community members made donations to be able to keep that business uh, running. And so those are those are some of the really special stories. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the uh, retired senior volunteer patrol because that was one of my favorite ones because I'm like, you know, doing a Vosop for that story in my 11 o'clock that night. And I'm like, wow, these are like people who had, you know, full jobs in these other careers, right? Aerospace engineering, working in a federal court. And then they go to this because that's, they wanted to, that's not like they were forced into it. That was their choice. And like, just kind of seeing the whole idea of it. Those are like, those stories are always intriguing to me because it's like with reporters, you always never know what you're going to find. And I think that's one of the, the beauties with a lot of these things that we do in this field is that you uncover these sorts of gems that nobody expects. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's exactly it. And you don't know, like what you're saying, when you turn over the rock, you're not sure what you're going to get. And so how special is it when you find, you know, when you find that aerospace engineer who now does volunteer traffic, <laughs> traffic work for the police department, um, it is, it's special. And the other really interesting thing is that these are people who, you know, you may see on your drive to work, or you may, you know, your bus driver, your grocery store clerk, um, and so being able to have the power to kind of introduce that person to the community um, and have it be someone, you know, somebody who somebody recognizes and says, oh, my God, I had no idea that was their story. Um, it's an incredibly it's a privilege. Honestly, it is an absolute privilege. And on that topic of covering the tropical storm, I mean, that was like a once in a lifetime time kind of event, right? A first time it ever hit Southern California in 84 years, you know, we're doing all these crazy shows, wall to wall live coverage. Take me through your mindset as a reporter in that moment, right? You're out in, um, you're out in the field and you're seeing all these damages. You're seeing these crazy, you know, streams, this water going upstream or whatever. And you're showing that in the shot. Take me through like what, what your mentality is in that moment. Yeah. You know, first thing, Devin, you're thinking to yourself, do I have my raincoat? And <laughs> do I have my rain boots? Um, and so, you know, first things first, you want to make sure that you have everything that you need. But going into that event, I mean, whether it was going to be serious and we were going to see serious damage here in San Diego, or it was going to be, you know, what we ultimately ended up seeing, which was kind of heavy rain in some areas, not a lot of damage in our county, thankfully. 
Um, you're going into that wanting to be prepared, right? Plan for the worst, hope for the best. And so you're thinking in your head, okay, is this going to be a very, very dramatic day? Or is this going to be, okay, glad we prepared, everyone's all right. Um, I'm so glad that it was the latter of those two. Um, but as you're standing out there, you know, you're needing to tell it like it is. I was in Escondido all day. Um, and we were just kind of tracking the rain there. We went to a spot in a park where residents in the area told us, you know, that's the spot where when it rains, everybody knows that location floods. And so we went there first to kind of be able to monitor that throughout the day um, to see if it was going to get really flooded, if it was not going to get very flooded, because that was a good gauge per se. Um, again, thankfully, a relief that we didn't see much damage where we were. Um, but the people of San Diego were also concerned in some part. I mean, maybe not so much concerned as wanting to get ready for it. Um, the day of Sunday is when the bulk of it really hit. We were at a sandbag location in Escondido and people were still coming. They were filling up grocery bags because, you know, the city, like many other cities in the county, had already run out of sandbags. Um, and so it was interesting to be there kind of boots on the ground per se for such a historic weather event. Um, and I am so, so relieved that it was not as bad here as some other areas of Southern California. Um, but it's definitely, again, a hope for the best, plan for the worst kind of scenario, tell it like it is. Um, and I think that that's also part of media kind of approaching that storm in general. Um, media got a lot of criticism, I'm sure you heard it, about how that was handled, right? A lot of people said that we were playing it up, that we were doing it even for ratings or views or clicks. Um, and the fact of the matter was, it was a historic weather event. Um, and, you know, coverage should reflect that. We didn't know what it would be. There are predictions and there are models that our meteorologists walked us through meticulously kind of explaining what we may expect, um, but I'd much rather help be a part of why people were more prepared um, than, you know, maybe not share as many tips as we could have or should have and have it been much worse. Yeah, it's funny because like that day I walked into the, um, or it might have been that day or the day before I walked into the studio and I'm like, I run into Brooke Martell, fellow meteorologist at NBC7. She's still there after the morning shift or whatever. And like she's got the the whole weather map up on the screen and I'm looking at it like I'm a mad scientist or something, like trying to understand, you know, what's going on. Because it's like, I, I don't know about how you feel about this as a reporter, but it's like you almost feel this sort of pressure, especially because it's like, this is a huge deal. I mean, you know, and, and the uncertainty of it all, I think a lot of people, the viewers and maybe young journalists may not see it right away in that like, you know, this is... This could go, you know, very south, very fast, or it could not at all, you know. So, um, right. do you ever feel that sort of pressure as a reporter, in a sense, when you're out there live in the field doing these things? Yeah, yeah, it's um, a great question, Devin, and it, it's a, uh, it is a pressure, but it's less so a pressure, and I'm going to use a word that I used again earlier, but less so a pressure and more so a, a privilege. I mean, we are able to be in places and experience things that our viewers aren't necessarily able to themselves. And so the pressure comes from it being a privilege to be there, to be talking to the experts, to be experiencing in that scenario, you know, harsh weather conditions. 
Um, and so because you have that privilege to be the person, um, it's really like you are just a, a vessel of information. Um, here's what I'm hearing from experts. Here is what we're seeing out here. Here is what we are experiencing. And it, it is pressure in some way to make sure that what you are sharing is the best possible information in terms of what you are including and how you're saying it, how you're delivering that message. Um, you are a, a spokesperson for the community and vice versa. And so you go into scenarios like that with, you know, I interviewed FEMA on Saturday. You go into that interview with FEMA with questions on behalf of the community, and then you come out with information on behalf of FEMA. And so you do feel some sort of pressure to get that messaging accurate, right? Of course. Um, but it is a privilege because it, it's so motivating that you have the honor of doing that for people. Um, and so absolute pressure, but it's a, a necessary pressure. And if you didn't feel that pressure as a reporter, um, that would be a much bigger issue. I, I love that word that you just said there that it's a privilege pressure is a privilege um was that a mindset that you gained right away when you were in college or was that something that you kind of didn't understand at first and had to see that over time no i i appreciate you asking it's definitely been a mindset that i've had forever because you know i grew up watching reporters watching anchors and they are the faces of historic events. Um, and so I, I've always looked at it that way. I've always thought it was a privilege um, because it, I sincerely believe that it is. And I, I kind of feel like that's why I'm, I'm so in love with my job. I'm so in love with my role um, because I, I know that it's not about me. It's never about me. And the story should never be about, you know, the reporter or the anchor who's telling you um, it is about the people who it impacts and the people you know, who you're speaking to. And so I think that the earlier on you can look at it as a privilege, um, the better off you'll be as a journalist in any capacity, no matter what you want to do. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like, at least for me, from my perspective, I almost, there's times where I don't see that. And then there's times where I do see that. Um, and I feel like that's just because, you know, as young journalists, like you don't really think about it in that sort of space, because if you're in college, right, you're worried about oh, I got to get this in and do all these other 10 assignments I have to do on top of my reporter package. Um, You're worried about your laundry. <laughs> yes. It really changes. Yes. And um, I think for me, like the the one thing that kind of taught me to kind of think in that mindset was like just the idea that you're, the stuff that goes on our air has so much impact for people, right? Like I didn't, I didn't realize that until like, you know, I look at the ratings sometimes after the shows and I'm seeing that, you know, there's days where we lead the market and I'm like, you know, that 15.5 or whatever, that's like a ton of homes here in San Diego. Like those are people that are coming, you know, taking time out of their night, taking time out of their day to watch what we're presenting for them. And I think it's almost a, um, it's a redeeming and rewarding kind of feeling, I think, to see that happen. Yeah. It, it's so true, Devin. And, and, you know, on top of that, it's, um, there are some people who we are the only news that they watch, right? There are, there are, if you write, you know, as a story producer or a producer, if you write one VO or one script for the anchor to read 20 seconds, right? Well, it may have been just a task in your day. 
For somebody else, it may be a piece of information they were waiting on. And that may be the only way they learn about it. They're not going to go seek other news. They're not going to go, you know, compare it with another outlet or seek the firsthand source. Um, And so, you know, it is, like you said, it has a big impact. Every little thing, every second that we put into our shows, it has a, a huge impact. Um, and like you said, you know, maybe it's not something that everyone acknowledges when they're in college and early on as a journalist, but every little thing counts and matters to somebody. And like you said, I think once you acknowledge that, um, you're better off for it. You enjoy your job more because you know about the impact and, and the importance of it. For sure. And now I wanted to pivot onto what it's like being because some there's some days where you're reporting with a photog some days where you're mmjing by yourself um take me through what that process is like for you day to day right as soon as you step in into the into the station what do you do from there yeah no happy to so um let's say you know it's a day where i'm i'm reporting with a partner uh, in the morning we have our morning meeting and that's kind of our editorial meeting with managers with the rest of the team we discuss our assignments for the day um, a lot of times we get an assignment there and it's fine-tuned. Sometimes we're lucky enough to know it the night before and already have a little bit of time to work on planning. Um, but after that morning at nine eight, that morning meeting at 9 a.m., you hit the ground running because after that point, once we're released from that meeting, every second of the day is critically important to be able to kind of hit your deadline um, by four, five, and or six o'clock in the afternoon for our day side shows. Uh, and so after that nine o'clock meeting, the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes are really spent finding your sources. Who are you going to talk to for this? Um, and it depends, you know, it depends on if your story is something about say housing and you need an expert to break down, for example, Senate bill 10 for you. Um, and then you're kind of trying to find an expert to give you that kind of interview, or you want to do a story on housing and Senate bill 10, but you want a resident. You want somebody who's going to explain to you, you know, why they're against it or why it's going to improve their life. Um, and so that hour after the meeting is locking in, you know, getting your information, locking in your interviews um, and connecting with your teammate for the day. When you're a reporter and you are working with a photographer, you are a team. It is both of you working together on your product and turning that in by the end of the day. And so constantly checking in with them, seeing what their ideas are, it's really important. And it's it's a great thing to have a teammate to kind of bounce ideas off of. And um, because I've always been a big believer that the more brains that are involved in any project, the better off it is. Because maybe they're able to offer a perspective or have an idea that I wouldn't have thought of by myself. And so I love to kind of incorporate my teammate as early on as I can. Uh, and then once you have somewhere to be, per se, um, something permission to go shoot something or, or, you know, record something or to go interview with somebody, it's about getting there as soon as you can. Uh, and then once you get there, you have an interview, you have your video, it's time to work on your script. You log your sound, you write out what your interviewee said, make your script, get that approved, share that script back with your uh, back with your teammate, your photographer, or on the days when, like you said, I MMJ and I'm a, a solo crew, um, get, the, get the script to myself, 
Uh, you record your voice and then you share that all with your teammate or again, yourself. Um, and it starts getting edited in time for, say, the four o'clock show. That would be one of the earlier um, earlier occurrences. So it's a busy day, to say the least. And every day, like we said earlier, every day's new. And you're not really sure sometimes what you're walking into that day. And so as long as you're really, really strict about kind of your workflow deadlines, it's not stressful. But, you know, once you have an interview that's maybe a little later or an event that's a little later, or some days you're sitting in court at an arraignment and they don't do the arraignment until 3.30 and you're live at 4. Um, those are the days when it can get a little bit stressful just because of timing. Um, but it's really, really about making sure that you're organized. And if you're lucky enough to have a teammate to have that photojournalist working with you, um, to lean on them. But Devin, the days go by unbelievably quick, as you might imagine. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And, and like there were a few key words that kind of stood out to me while you were making that whole statement there. And, and that was teammate and then collaboration, because I feel like a lot of what news is, is about collaboration. I think people don't think about that much because it's like sometimes they may get in that space where you're thinking about yourself and that kind of harks back to what we mentioned earlier on, on, on the show. But um, that idea of having a teammate and collaborating, whether that's with you as MMJ to a producer or uh, a reporter to a producer, a reporter to photog, reporter to assignment desk, you know, that whole, that whole sort of communication, how critical is that stuff to, to kind of making sure that your stuff is, is on a path towards success in, 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 in the reporting field? Great. I mean, great question. I would say it is quite literally one of the most important things you can do is communicate throughout the day. Um, and, and it's so critically important, not only in the planning process, um, and so typically before I go out on my story, I check in with the managers or whoever assigned it. And, and I just kind of say, okay, what, what is exactly the angle? If it's not obvious, what exactly do we want the, the end product to be on this? Um, that's your first collaboration. I mean, so important to really understand what we want the point of this story to be and who we want it to be for, right? Like that housing example, do we want this story to be a story about an expert or do we want this story to be a story about a resident? Um, and so that's your first critically important collaboration. Your second, this is right around when you reach out to your teammate, to your photojournalist. Um, another critically important collaboration. What do we want to record? How do we want to record it? Where do you think we should do it? I mean, these two things are already the start of shaping your story. And then from there, the entire day, Devin, is essentially one big collaboration because you're asking the producers, what do you want? How do you want this to look? Do you want a package? Do you want a bosaw? Do you want me live? Uh, and then from there, it's quite literally collaborating with the photojournalists, with your producers, with story producers, with the booth. Um, and earlier, I mentioned that now I get to do my favorite parts of the assignment desk every day. And those have always been some of my favorite parts of doing what we do. Um, working with our teammates, working with the community. It's definitely not a, a solo show. It requires a lot of people for every little package that a reporter makes. For sure. And one of the points I always like to, to stress on the show is like, there's no such thing as over communication, especially in journalism, because it's like the more that you talk to people about what your intentions are, what you want to do, even 
whether that's for reporting and, and your story that you're doing that day or whether that's for something that you have in mind in the future for your career or something else, like if you let people know what you want to do and you over communicate, the chances of you getting things done with what you want to do and accomplishing the goals that you want are very high when that happens. Yeah, no, well said. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I definitely am an, an over communicator. I think I would fall into that bin, but you're right. I mean, the more you're communicating, the more you're kind of expressing, you know, what you have so far, how you think it's going to end up, um, the better everyone is for it because there are no surprises at the end of the day, right? There's no either here's my piece and somebody saying, whoa, that's not what we were anticipating. Um, or vice versa, somebody expecting you to have gotten something else and and maybe it's not there. And so couldn't agree more over communicating. Always, always, always a good thing. Yep. And one of the parts I wanted to talk to you now about is obviously with MJ and reporting, they're two different. They're very similar, but there's all, all obviously there's clear differences with that. What do you kind of find is the most challenging part? between both roles like whether that's like challenging part as a reporter challenging part as mj have there been has there been kind of anything that's kind of stood out to you in in the year and a half that you've been doing this yeah no it's it's a good question i'm so glad that you're asking because a lot of people do kind of wonder what some of the key differences are um i think one of the most challenging things for me as an mmj when i'm working alone um is not getting so caught up in whoever i'm talking to I'm a huge people person. I love talking. I, I really get invested in my conversations. Um, and so sometimes I am so interested in what somebody is saying in an interview um, that, you know, running back to the camera and, and adjusting the shot or making it wider or, or tighter. Um, it, that's one of my biggest challenges. And, and purely because whoever I'm talking to, I, I'm so into the, the, their input because, you know, Part of it is I just really appreciate when people take time to, to speak with us. Um, and so that it's funny, that's one of my biggest difficulties is an MMJ. And then kind of in both of those roles on, on a broader perspective, per se, one of the biggest challenges is doing these very, very difficult stories, having very, very difficult conversations about, you know, people who have passed away of, of tragedies. Um, that's hard. And there's no sugarcoating it. it. It is hard. And um, I think it's really good as a reporter to feel your feelings when you're having these conversations. So you can approach it, you know, as a person. Um, but it's difficult to go into work and, and talk with a mother who just lost their son, you know, or, or a father who will never see their their daughter again because of a crash. Um, or, or whatnot. And so that's, that's one of the most difficult things, but that kind of goes back to the privilege part of our job. Um, it's a privilege to hear those people's stories and to be able to pass along those legacies. And while it is difficult, having that conversation with them is not even comparable to them having it with us. Um, and so while I think that that is probably one of the most difficult parts of the job, Again, it's it it falls into that privilege. If you look at everything through that lens, um, it really kind of shifts your perspective. How do you not let the emotion of the moment, especially when you're talking to people who just lost, you know, just lost their 
their son or daughter in a crash and, 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 and all those sorts of situations, how do you not let the emotion of the, or the gravity of the situation get into, get caught up into you personally as a reporter? Right. You know, it's, it's interesting, Devin. Um, I have actually, there have been stories that I've had to step away for a moment because they've made me cry. Um, really. And, and, you know, you don't, you need to be able to, to do your job, right? So you can't, you can't go, go cry for the whole story. Um, but there have been times when I haven't been able to, to keep it together. Um, and there are, you know, professional parameters, of course, but, but we are humans first. And so if I'm having one of these conversations and I start to tear up, um, it's okay to, to feel, you know, you have to remember that you do have a job to do and, and you do need to still be able to accurately portray whatever your story is, whatever the thought is. Um, but it's okay to feel and it's okay to acknowledge when you're having one of these conversations and it, it does make you tear up. Um, I think that one of the most interesting things, especially about this new generation of journalists and the new generation of news consumers is that being genuine is really, really appreciated and rewarded. Um, and so I don't think that people have this expectation anymore that reporters are supposed to always be, you know, stoic. And um, I think that there is some level of trust that's built with an audience and even with just somebody when you're sitting there and you're interviewing them, if you are able to show that, yeah, I mean, this is heartbreaking. And I'm fine telling that often when I have to go and speak with somebody who's, you know, loved one passed away. So recently I tell them I am here for my job, but I am so sorry as the person I am so sorry, you know, what else do you do? What else do you say? And so it's not necessarily always about keeping it together and, and not letting it affect you. I do think it's okay to an extent. Um, but you know, you're right. You're, you do have a job to do. You have to always keep it professional. Um, but I think there's a good thing to being human. Yeah, for sure. And and I agree in that sort of sentiment. And it, and it kind of harkens back to the idea that we were mentioning earlier about the, the it whole it being a privilege, right? The fact that we get, you get into that position where you're able to tell that story again. And then, um, so it's a, it's a beautiful thing, that idea that, that we've been kind of sharing throughout this episode about the whole idea of, of journalism being a privilege rather than something that is being viewed as a, a me only thing or a burden or something like that. It's, it's, uh, right. No. It's a and I'm idea. so glad, I'm so glad that we, we got accidentally led down this road yeah. <laughs> because, because it really is. And, and I think that, um, it's so important that we also in the industry believe that, and um, because our work will be better, you know, we, we will care about the products that we're putting out there more if we think of every day as a privilege. Yeah, certainly. And and now I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the fact that both of us are working weekends. You know, we've been working weekends for quite a while. Um, does your reporting approach change on the weekends compared to during the week? Like, do you kind of like go a little more loose at it, kind of have a little more fun with it? Or are you more, does it, does it change or does it not? Or does it kind of depend on the story? Right. Great question. Um, you know, for me, Devin, I report every day like it's, you know, the same kind of day, um, no matter who, what day it is or who our audience is. Um, some key differences, sometimes on weekends, I do multimedia journalists. I do MMJ stories more often. Um, and so in those scenarios, sometimes you can be a little bit more creative. 
creative based on what the, you know, what the content is that you're trying to, to get across. Um, but every day is, is the same and it should be approached the same um, until you know what that story is. So if it's a lighter story, like I did a story about the uh, Pacific Beach beach bug shuttle service with the city. Um, and so I got to do a, a kind of a more creative stand-up for that. Um, whereas, and have a little bit more fun with that, with a great character. Whereas other more serious stories, like court stories, sentencings, obviously you can't have, you can't have as much fun with that per se. Um, but it's really the story's content that changes things rather than the day of the week per se. Have you ever had like a most creative standup that you've done so far or, or anything like that, that you've had in any of your stories? Ooh, good question. You know, they're all kind of fun. And I have the pleasure of sitting next to Joe Little, the master of storytelling at work. So the pressure is on for creative standups. Um, I think that I really love the beach bug one that I did today. I, or I'm sorry, over the weekend, I actually used a contraption that Joe gave to me and it was like a, a long, like a manipulate, you could manipulate it. And it was a wire with a little phone mount on it. And I attached it to the rear view mirror on the beach bug. Uh, and so as I opened the door, it panned with me. It, it almost looked like somebody else was shooting it. Um, it's obviously that's what I think of because it's one of the, one of the more recent standups. Um, but those kinds of standups are always fun where it doesn't take a lot, but you're moving with purpose. So in that scenario, I was getting into the shuttle, um, other standups. One time I did one, I was talking about the price of eggs, uh, of course, inflation. <laughs> and I, it was a two camera shot. One was my broadcast camera and one was my phone. And I cut a little spot in the carton of eggs. And the first part of the standup was with the big camera, you know, kind of a, your standard, standard, uh, uh, standup. And then it switched to the second camera when I opened the carton and you saw the eggs right here in the foreground and you could see like the top of the carton it was kind of fun. So, so those kinds of things, it's always fun to be creative, but again, you, you know, you can't always be too creative. And if you are being creative, you of course have to do it tastefully. It really depends on the content. Yeah, I always love when people do creative uh, standups because there was one where I think Dave Summers did something on like security camera spying and he actually used security cameras from our station because he did a standup in the, in the hall and he used security camera footage from uh, our station and it was so cool. Like, you know, and just thinking of ideas like that, I'm just like, what? Like, you know, like, how do you how do you think of this? Like, you know, it's just it's crazy to me. Um, another one that I like that you did was. Um, the Fern Street Circus one that you and Jesse did oh. uh, where you showed like you were, you know, you were outside of the truck and then you like went underneath the truck and actually showed where the uh, um, where that one part was missing that got stolen. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Good yeah, I, I love I love when people do creative standups and, and I feel like, you know, in for a lot of young journalists, like they might not have an idea of like when that, you know, when that happens, like do, for you, does that like is, does it come naturally or do you feel like there may be moments where like you just, it's not there or you, you just don't see it? Yeah, no, I, great memory, Devin. I loved the, it was a catalytic converter. I loved that one. And, you know, a large part of that comes from, that's that collaboration with your teammate, with your photojournalist. If you're lucky enough to have one, it's kind of talking in the car or after the interview. Hey, what do you think about this? I have this crazy idea. Do you think it would pan out? Uh, and then half the time they're like, 
no, Dana, that's, that is crazy. <laughs> that's not going to work out. But half the time they're like, wait, let's do that. And I'm going to shoot it like this. And so it's really, really motivating when you do have an idea and your teammate kind of takes it and, and improves upon it. Um, because there are some stories, Devin, where you're going about it, you're, you're shooting it, you're doing your interview, and it does come to you. You're like, oh, this would be a perfect stand-up. And those moments are so motivating. It's fun because you want to be able to, it's the first, typically the first few seconds of your piece, and you want to be able to kind of pull people in with however you open it. Um, other times, you do have to spend a, a little bit of time thinking about it. And that's okay too, right? At the end of the day, our viewers don't know if if it came to you naturally <laughs> or if you took a little bit of time to plan it. Um, but it, it's fun to be able to have those kinds of opportunities. And I think that the, you know, there was a time when I got to always do fun visual stories. And I don't always get to do that anymore. And so now when I do, it makes it more motivating to be creative with it. Does sitting next to Joe Little add more pressure on you to do those sorts of things? Or is it, uh, um, or, or do you not, do you not have that much pressure sitting next to him? You know what? It's more like, um, uh, osmosis. I'm learning by osmosis <laughs> sitting next to him. Um, it's, it's really, really fun for me because, you know, I get to sit next to him and I get to hear the feedback, honestly, that he gives to other people. Um, and so whether or not he's directly teaching me per se in a moment, I'm hearing all of his little tidbits and I'm hearing, you know, the feedback that he gives to reporters in other markets, you know, not even just at our station. And so instead of pressure per se, it's, it's again, very motivating because I can hear the things that he's sharing with people and think to myself, okay, even if it's subconsciously, okay, how can I do that today? You know, what can I do that I can show him and say, Hey, check it out. Like, what did you think of this? Um, and half the time, it's not great. Half the time it is. And that's all kind of part of this learning process too. It's a really unique job being a reporter because every single day you have one product, you know, two products, then a digital piece. But every day you are putting together one, for the most part, story. And so every day you have an opportunity to get one, 2%, 3% better. Uh, and that is a really, really cool thing. And so while your stories may change every day, and while every day may be unique to your content, every day, the consistent thing is you. And so it's kind of, okay, every day, if today's serious, if tomorrow's creative, if the next day is serious, what is something that I can work on in myself through all of these to make sure that I'm always improving? And so honestly, sitting next to him definitely helps me do that because I get to hear all of his feedback and I get to kind of be indirectly coached by it. Yeah. I always feel like he's like, a, um, he's like our, like our coach, our coach on the field type of thing. Like he's like overseeing, like, you know, if you ever ask him for advice or, or things like that, or, or he's, he's always willing to give advice. And, and I love that he always does this thing now where he gives out the Berglund to whoever does the best thing that week or like the most creative or anything that stands out. And like the fact that, I almost feel like it brings us all together because we all see each other's work and we can kind of celebrate and be recognized for it. Right. No, it's so true because Devin, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I feel this often where sometimes I'm so busy working on, you know, my product for that day that I actually don't get too much time to be watching our shows. 
And so it is a really, really great pause one time each week to be able to see something that one of our colleagues put a little extra effort into. And because we all do that in our own ways every day. And so it's really special to be able to, like you said, actually pause and, and see something and, and celebrate somebody's work. Yeah, for sure. And, and I always feel like, you know, working with people like my boss, Casey Trombley and, and P- producers like Claudine and Kelsey and Marquis, it always feels like I need to bring my energy level up to a higher, a higher standard every single day, because it's like, you know, they're coming in and bringing their best. I got to come in and bring my best. You know, that's kind of the mentality I kind of view at it. And I, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, you sitting next to Joe all the time, he probably, you know, he brings his A game every day and you got to probably bring the same sort of mindset and mentality yep. at it. We're lucky, Devin. I think that we work with a lot of people who bring, you know, their varsity game each and every day. And and that is motivating because you get better when the people around you are, are playing at a higher level. Um, and so I like, I'm so glad that you said that because I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is, it's a great feeling working with people who like him, like the producers who you mentioned want to be getting better. I mean, that's a, that's a special thing. And do you think that with a lot of young journalists that like, that's the biggest key for them right now. Is it like to just have that sort of mindset of wanting to keep getting better? Cause I feel like sometimes you may hit points where you feel like you're getting on a, or you're hitting a wall or you feel stuck. Um, do you feel like that's kind of the biggest thing for them right now is to kind of have that sort of mindset or that attitude of like, I can always keep getting better every single day. Yeah. I think that that's a great way to put it. I really do think so because you know, if you're in that mindset where every single day I have something I can improve upon, you will never get bored, right? You will always be looking for opportunities for ways to change and evolve as your you know, job or as your roles evolve. Because no matter what you do, whether or not you're, you're a journalist in any capacity, in any role, even in, you know, relationships, in your family relationships, if you think everything you do is right all the time and you have nothing to improve upon, how boring does that sound? And so, yes, for student journalists, for people in college who want to get into this industry, who people are early, who are early on in this industry, stay curious. Don't assume you know everything because things evolve so quickly that there is, it's impossible to know everything. Um, And so I think that's exactly it. Have a learning mindset, stay curious, stay eager and because that is going to serve you, other skills can be learned, but a desire and a willingness to seek information and to be taught, that's more difficult to teach people. Uh, and so if you go into anything with that, you're better off for it. Yeah, for sure. And I can kind of say that same and as a producer sense, because like for me, when I first started, I had no broadcasting experience, right? And, and I sort of had that intention or that mindset of wanting to get, get in more improved into that field to kind of further myself into what I wanted to do with my career. And so I feel like for a lot of young journalists, just kind of having that mindset is so key because it's like, sure, a lot of these entry-level jobs may not be what you want, you know, off the start, right? Say you're, you know, wanting to get into sports or wanting to get into fashion or whatever, you know, and you land a producer gig or a, a editing gig or a journalist gig in a small market, you know, it may not be where you want, but the thing is, is that those sorts of smaller gigs are going to, kind of vault you in terms of experience in terms of like what what sort of mentality and 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 access that you gain in the field all that stuff's going to vault you into the position that you want to be in later on down the road. Yep, no, well said. I mean, 
when I was hired at NBC, we talked about this in our, our previous podcast, but I was hired as a, a part-time story producer throughout my senior year of college. It was not something that I wanted to do forever, but what an exceptional opportunity now to be proven is an exceptional opportunity. Um, but one of the, the biggest keys that helped me kind of evolve during my now five years, which is hard to believe with the company, is being a total yes woman. I said yes to everything. Teach me, teach me how to route microwave shots. Teach me how to coordinate with network. Teach me, teach me, teach me. And because of that yes, because of that drive and that willingness to know and learn more, that's what's helped me, you know, sincerely, what's helped me get to this point, because I've just always been curious. If nobody else in the newsroom wanted to learn something, you bet I was raising my hand and ready to. And, and like you said earlier, that's a really special quality. And yes, for students, absolutely. Having that learning mindset is, I mean, the biggest key. Certainly. And now I kind of wanted to get into one aspect of reporting that I think a lot of people have sort of different ways of approaching it. And that's like finding your own voice as a reporter. Um, I think I've, se- I've heard a lot of different stories from various reporters about how they kind of approach that. For you, how did you kind of learn to find your own voice? Because I can imagine that must have like taken time to kind of process and understand. Right. It's um, funny, Devin. I, this may be different than other people you spoke to, but um, finding my voice kind of always just came from how I would talk to a friend. Um, and so I really try in my reporting to not put on too much of a professional front per se. When I do my pieces, I really want people to feel like I am sitting there and I'm talking with them. Um, and so that's, you know, but that's part of my voice. That's part of what makes me unique is that I want my pieces to feel conversational. I want you to hear, you know, maybe, maybe a little laugh when I'm, when I'm, you know, tracking my package, I want you to feel like we are sitting there and we are talking. Um, and so again, that is part of what makes me unique compared to other people, but it was easier for me because all I wanted my voice to be was authentic, genuine. Um, I wanted it to be like, I've known the viewers for a million years and I hope that I'm able to do that in my pieces. Um, and, and I think that I got very fortunate, like I said earlier, with when I'm coming into the industry and um, because I do think that that genuine voice is what's wanted and needed from younger news consumers. For people that are in college, right, they may not, you know, understand or know how to get that um is it okay for them to not not be able to know that right away like how would you kind of what would you tell them to approach it in the mindset version yes absolutely Devin I think that practice makes perfect practice I mean I always tell especially college journalism students right now it's never been easier to kind of practice these sorts of things um use your cell phone you know and just practice making stories and it's going to get easier and easier every time you're going to see things. Okay. Love that. I'm going to do it again. Okay. Didn't love that. Let's avoid that. Glad we tried it never again. Uh, And so the more that you do these things and the more that you practice and the more repetitions that you get coach yourself based off of those, ask for somebody else's advice, get their coaching. 
And so every time that you do it, like that learning mindset, you can get 1% better and you could kind of get more comfortable. But no, college students should not already have these things figured out. It's all part of experience. But while you're in college, it's the perfect time to be practicing. So maybe you don't have to have the answers, but if you have the questions rather, it's really important. Yeah, certainly. And I can kind of say that too, for like people in college is like, don't be afraid to ask, like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Cause like the more that you ask us about a lot of this stuff, like the, the we're happy and we'll definitely willing to share. Um, and I know like, at least for me, from a producer sense, like that sort of idea of finding your own voice is, is different in a producer sense, because you're kind of, you know, you're not the one that's talking, the anchors are talking for you. So it's like, you kind of almost have to rephrase it in a way where it's like, yeah, you know, this wouldn't be how you would say it, but more like, this is a very formal, you know, a formal conversational way of how someone would say it. You know, I always think about it. Like if I'm talking to a friend at a restaurant or somewhere about a new story, like how would I tell them about it? Um, someone right. told me that when I first started and it, I think for me, that was always the point that kind of clicked was like, oh, like this isn't, you know, you don't need to be running it with like, oh, like in a, uh, like transported to the hospital type of phrasing, you know, like they, you don't need to be doing that. Like, um, it's, it's a lot. Once you get more practice and reps, like you mentioned, the more practice and reps that you get, the, I feel like the easier it almost becomes to do it every single day. Absolutely. And you're right, Devin, like producers, story producers, it's really interesting position to be in because you are writing it for somebody else. And so a lot of your job kind of has to be understanding who who is going to be presenting the information that you're writing um, and what they're comfortable with. Um, I think that that's a really interesting point, but that's exactly it. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. And yeah, the words that we hear from first responders, from experts, it's safe to assume that oftentimes your average viewer does not necessarily talk like that or know what that means. Like transported to a hospital, taken to a hospital is probably what you'd say instead to your mom, to your dad, to your friend. Um, and so it's it's so great to see that be emphasized so much in our industry using that more conversational tone, because I think that it really does wonders for making us and our information um, a lot more approachable. Certainly. And and on that topic of being a reporter, um, do you feel like the other role, because you mentioned before in the past that you you had roles as an assignment desk, you had roles as a digital reporter. I mean, you've been here at NBC for five years. It almost feels like you've been here for 15 years. Um, uh, but, you know, those roles that you've had in the past for starting out, do you feel like they were advantageous for you in a sense as far as where you are now and, and kind of just getting an understanding of, of, of this role that you're in? Yeah, they, they could not have been more helpful. I mean, I would scream that from the highest mountaintops that, Having other roles in the newsroom other than just reporting helped me in bigger ways than honestly than I can even express. Um, down to having that bird's eye perspective of the newsroom. What's needed? When is it needed? What exactly are producers looking for? What kinds of stories do our viewers care about? Who are our viewers? I mean, all of these different aspects are so critical to being a reporter and knowing your community. And aside from all those things, it's also the, you know, the little things like who are the PIOs? What are the different agencies in an area? 
Um, who do I reach out to for information? All of those things I was already very confident in before becoming a reporter. And that has made all of the difference for me. And I'm so thankful for my time as a story producer, as an assignment editor, because I really feel like I have an understanding of not only San Diego, but also our newsroom. And so, you know, people, like you said earlier, who maybe see a job hosting for a role in a place that they love, but maybe it's a different job than they see themselves in eventually, still go for it because you will learn things that you can apply that are going to be, you know, more than you could have learned in the job training just for your dream role. Yep. I think, I think you you hit it on a T there. And one of the things that one of the points that recently got said to me was like, I recently connected with somebody up at NBC news and um, they mentioned to me that like, you should want to be like a, a coach out there, right? If you're a producer, because it's like these, you know, the talent, the reporters that you have for your show, they're almost like your players, right? Like they're the people you want to show off. They're the people you want to present to the people uh, and have fun with it. And so like being able to kind of be almost that coach in the sense where you're like telling people like, oh, like we go back to over communicating about the whole process, right? Oh, you're going to, you know, this is the story you should be telling or you know, this is how you should say it. You know, this is where you're going to be. This is how the show is going to go. That sort of thing. I think being that sort of, if you can get yourself in a mindset of like being a leader in this field, um, even when you're not right, being a leader, even when you're not like acting like it, you know, or just kind of getting into that mindset, that'll put you on a path where, where people, you know, you will be a success. Your show will be a success. Your, your reporter stand up, your reporter, uh, segment will be successful because you just you approach it in that sort of energy in that mindset. Right. No, it's 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 absolutely true. And you know, Devin, from from your standpoint, from a producer's standpoint, um, you are a leader. I mean, I rely on the producers so much for steering us in a direction, for giving us cues, for telling us, you know, what they want in a show, if they want us live, if they don't. Um, and so everybody in a newsroom is a leader in their own way. And everybody looks to different people and different roles for different things. Um, and there also has to be a significant amount of trust, right? If you're asking Devin for, you know, a certain kind of thing or, or a live, and I need to trust and all reporters need to trust that that's the best thing for your show show and the best thing for the story. Um, and so because everyone's a leader, everybody, you know, should have that kind of trust because it's so important that all of the different pieces in a newsroom and that lead to, you know, a, a show um, are given their accurate respect. One thing I kind of wanted to add on top of that is like, it's okay to make mistakes. Like, I feel like for me, when I was young, I mean, I still am young. I'm only 23, but um, yeah, you know when what? you were young, Devin, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, when I first, you know, joined NBC, I almost felt like making mistakes was like, you know, making a cardinal sin. I need to be burned at the stake. Like, um, you know, I, I think people kind of get into that feeling of like, oh, you know, making a mistake is like the worst thing ever. Like, am I going to get fired? Like, you shouldn't be thinking in that sort of perspective, like, because we're all human. Like, that's the thing. Like, mistakes are a common thing, especially in journalism. Like, bad i have mistakes in my shows not all the time but i mean they happen you know people make mistakes in their reporting all the time like that happens and so i I think once you realize like it's okay to make mistakes like you'll you'll start to get into that habit of like okay i know what i know when this is right when this is wrong and i know when i can fix it right you know and and it is um 
it, again, it goes back to that privilege and, and we need to try our hardest not to make certain kinds of mistakes, like factual mistakes per se. In terms of mistakes that come from trying to be creative and trying something new, of course, those are okay. And, you know, I think we all understand that. I think viewers understand that. Because if you never make the mistake, you're probably not trying something new, right? And I think that's the whole point of it. I think, you know, is if you have to be able to get into that mindset of thinking like, well, how can I be the best that I can be today, right? How can I be the best that I can be today? And, and I think a lot of people don't understand that right away. But I think as we mentioned in the show repeatedly today, right? The, the more that you get those repetitions, the more that you get the practice time, ultimately you'll be better off as a result of the whole thing. Now I wanted to hop into a different subject because recently, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you're now a professor at Point Loma Nazarene. You're alum, you know, you're an alumna, you know, your school and, you know, you just became, I think you just taught your first class this week. I don't know if you have another class this week, but what's it kind of been like to be a college professor? Because I can imagine like just starting in this whole reporting thing and you're a college professor and they're like, oh, Professor Dana Williams, like, wow, crazy. So what, what is that whole sort of thing been like for you just to be a college professor and, and, and teach kids? No, I, I appreciate that so much, Devin. It, it has been absolutely surreal. I mean, this is something that I've been working toward for a really long time because one of the most precious things about journalism to me is being able to share what we do and, and my love for the job with other people and particularly with younger generations, with aspiring journalists. And so to be able to go back to the college that taught me so much about what I know about journalism and to be able to be that for journalism students now, it really is, it really is unbelievably surreal. I mean, I love it. I love that I get to be teaching my classes called special topics in journalism and its focus is social media and journalism. It is, goes back to that privilege. I get 15 students who over the course of this semester, I get to help teach them the importance of journalism, the importance of how social media interacts with journalism, um, all things that right now, and as these students go into the job market and into the industry, it is so vitally important. And so it is truly the most special feeling in the world to be able to give back um, to, to the community that kind of helped create who I am. I can imagine just like showing up to that first class and it was probably like, you know, you see these 15 kids and they're like, you're just like, oh my gosh, like, cause it's, it's a whole, it's a different feeling. I mean, you're in a different sort of environment. Um, what was it like for you being stepping back on campus? I mean, just to, you know, as a, as a teacher now and, and you're not as a student, I mean, was it sort of like a reality check for you in a sec or, or was it, was it different? Absolutely. I absolutely felt like I was a student. Like I went into the, uh, I went into the faculty lounge to grab something from my mailbox and I thought to myself, oh my God, can I be here? So I still find myself feeling like a student, still feeling like I am a junior or a senior in my journalism classes. And in some way, that's really, really helpful to be able to teach because I feel like I'm so fortunate to be in this position now because I do still have a pulse on these students and what they're experiencing and the college experience. And so I, I believe that it makes me a stronger professor, but absolutely, even when I was driving on campus parking, I thought to myself, oh, can I park here? And yes, you can, because you're faculty, you're not a student. 
Uh, and so it definitely it's it's the best kind of weird. Yeah, for sure. The best kind of weird. That's how <laughs> I love that phrasing. That's like a that's uh, I think that's fitting. Um, I think, uh, you know, as we near toward the end of the show, uh, one more question I wanted to ask you about, Dana, before we get you out of here. Um, what's your biggest piece of advice for young journalists or just journalists right now who are, you know, trying to seek something? Um, what's your advice for them on, on, about that yeah, you've learned over your career so far? Great. I love this question. And I'm so appreciative, Devin, that I can kind of share this with people through on the record. I, I think that my biggest piece of advice would be don't wait to practice journalism. I think there's this, you know, preconceived notion that to be a journalist, you have to be involved in or employed by a professional newsroom. Um, but so many students in college have, you know, there's college journalism, there's your college newspaper. That is all opportunities to fine tune, you know, who you are as a journalist to build that moral compass to get those repetition uh, opportunities in college. And so always take advantage of any sort of opportunity to practice journalism, to learn about journalism. And, and then also, Devin, having things, having passion projects like, you know, on the record in your scenario, it is so wonderful and appealing to, you know, future and um, future hiring managers that you have a multimedia project that you can talk about, that you can share ideas on. And um, that is so attractive because at the end of the day, what is so much of news, right? It's being able to effectively share information and share stories through multimedia platforms. Um, and so I always tell students, especially, even if you're able to edit a reel to make a TikTok, all of those things indirectly are practice for being in the industry, for making a, a package per se. Um, and so my best advice to students is you don't have to wait. You can practice now. You can get those reps now. And I always tell anybody, anyone who sees this, you know, send me a note on social media. Dana Williams, I'm easy to find an easy, easy to write name. Um, send me, you know, questions, ideas. I'm always happy to help. I love student journalists and, you know, don't wait and practice now. I love that, that you said that, but don't wait and practice now. Like, cause my, my advice, so I would say is, which is similar to that is don't be afraid to take risks. Right. I think people almost seem kind of hesitant or, or, or kind of pausing a little bit as far as like entering a new job, entering a new opportunity, entering um, a new phase within their workplace or whatever. Like, I, I think it's always like, don't be afraid to take risks because you never know where they're going to end up. Right. You never know where they're going to end up. Like, if not for me uh, wanting to express my intentions of being a producer, I don't you know, I wouldn't have gotten the producing gig that I have now, you know, that sort of thing. I, if not for me. Uh, wanting to express, um, wanting to do a certain show, you know, things like that. Like I wouldn't have the opportunity to do, you know, fill in on things like the doing the 11 or, or boothing the six o'clock or, you know, doing the 5 PM, all these different things. Like if you let people uh, know what your intentions are, and then of course, don't be afraid to take risks as far as whether that's an opportunities, whether that's even asking for help, like you mentioned before, Dana, um, you know, you just never know where they're going to end up. So, I mean, the worst, the worst thing people can say is no. In, in this line of work, the worst thing that people can say is no, or they just don't want to offer you help. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. But, but of course, don't be afraid to take risks. That, that, that's what my message would be. Right. No, I love that. Absolutely, Devin. And I think that, 
you know, I'm so glad that you do this. And, and I'm so glad that you talk about these things on this podcast, because you are the perfect example. Um, you have forged a path for yourself and you have made it work. I mean, so, you know, I'm proud of you, especially after all these years to be able to, to watch you and watch your career grow. And because you've been the best example of that, you know, I've watched you shoot for the stars and take risks and learn every day. And so that's the best thing, like you said, that student journalists and and people trying to get into the industry or grow in the industry can do. You're spot on. I appreciate that, Danius. You're going to, you're going to make me a little emotional here. Don't, I, I have to be a little careful, but, um, uh, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Likewise, I can say the same for you. I mean, we both we've both been growing up. We, you know, we keep we're we're still growing up, right? We're still on the come up. So, um, for listeners, you can follow Dana on Instagram at News with Dana. That's where she's going to post all of her amazing, amazing TikToks, amazing reels, everything like that. Uh, you know, all that stuff that she does for NBC Seven, all the amazing things you'll find it on there. Don't be afraid to ask her questions as well. Too, you can uh, shoot her a DM. Also, you can also message her on Twitter at Dana Williams TV. So don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to follow the podcast on Instagram at On The Record Pod for more. We got a lot of exciting, exciting episodes coming up. Dana, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Devin. Sincerely, I appreciate you so much. Love that you do this. Anybody listening, like Devin said, don't hesitate to uh, to reach out. I am always happy to help.